Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Welcome in. Wednesday edition of the program. Glad to have you. We've got a very busy hour coming up. Lots of great guests will join us, so let's get right to it with the show lineup. A service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one coming up here in moments. Chris Grinham, he's the Boston Celtics writer for Forbes Sports. Always kind enough to check in with us for the latest on Romeo Langford. And there's a lot to talk about. The Celtics earlier this week announced they are picking up the fourth year of Romeo's contract, which is big for him. Romeo also getting back into the lineup over the weekend after missing a few games because of a sore calf. We'll talk about his status, his health status, what his role looks like, and what does it mean for Romeo getting this fourth year? Does that mean a boost of confidence for him that the Celtics uh, see a future for him in the franchise and we'll discuss all the particulars of that coming up here in just moments. Also, later in the hour, Dustin Dopirak, he covers IU for the Bloomington Herald Times. He will check in. We'll talk a lot of basketball. Who's your basketball fan fest coming up? The final preseason opportunity to see this IU team. There's supposed to be a scrimmage, it looks like, according to the organizers. Remember, this isn't an IU-organized event. This is an NIL opportunity that's going to take place at Assembly Hall for IU players, also a fundraiser. I think it's the local Boys and Girls Club as well. But they're advertising some five-on-five open gym, which to me means some sort of up-and-down scrimmage, which would be big after especially IU losing the Cincinnati scrimmage because of health concerns. So maybe we'll get a look at the health of this team on Saturday night in Bloomington. Also, Bob Knight, former coach of the Hoosiers. He was just back at practice last week uh, taking a look at his former player, Mike Woodson, who's now the head coach of IU. He is expected to be in attendance, it was announced, on Saturday night as well. So I think that answers our questions about Bob Knight. He's going to be around this team, this program. I think we'll see him at games, not every game this season, but a lot of games, as long as his health allows, which I think is a good thing for for Coach Woodson and for IU basketball. Also, later in the program, Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, will be with us. Uh, New Albany football trying for their first sectional championship in 20 years. We'll recap some other local sports headlines lines as well. Always presented by Major League Shirt Company is our segment with Josh Cook. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. A reminder right out of the gate, the Thornton's text line is open. We've had a lot of interaction this week, a new feature here on the program. Love to hear from you. Your questions, your comments, uh, send them in. We'll get them on the show today, 502-414-1450. That's 502-414-1450. And don't forget, Thornton's is the perfect stop 
for all of the best pick-me-up items that you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and always delicious donuts. And let's get right to it. Chris Grenham, he covers the Celtics for Forbes Sports, is our guest as we talk about Romeo Langford. And first and foremost, Chris, I think we've got to start with Romeo Langford, his fourth year of his contract being picked up earlier this week by Boston. Was that a surprise at all to you? I know there were three or four players at one time. The announcement was made a couple days back. Any surprise that uh, Langford gets an additional year with the Celtics? No, not a surprise. I mean, like we've talked about on past shows here, he's had some durability problems, but the Celtics are still confident in, in his upside and what he can bring. There's a reason they used a lottery pick on him. So not really a surprise. You know, Brad Stevens brought in some veterans, you know, Dennis Schroeder, Josh Richardson, Al Horford, guys who outside of Schroeder do have some money on the books for the next couple of years. So it makes sense for Brad Stevens to pick up some of these, you know, cap friendly young player options moving forward. So Romeo will make about 5.6 million in the final year of his deal. And then he'll be a restricted free agent in 2023 if they're given a, a qualifying offer from the team, but it's always a good sign, even though this was kind of assumed it would happen. Always a good sign to see, you know, this, the team pick up that option because it is a vote of confidence. And uh, for Romeo this season, now that he's back and we're going to talk about his health status here in a moment, with them picking up this fourth year, does that mean we should see Romeo get regular minutes and find a way, a solid way into the rotation? Does that have any connection at all with things? Probably not a direct connection, but I think Romeo is in play for some increased minutes moving forward, just as the Celtics continue to try and tweak with this rotation. If you look at minute averages on the Celtics, I think he's about ninth or 10th. So he's right at the back end of that rotation. Obviously, like you said, he missed three games with that cap strain. So he's still getting back to full health. They're being careful with that. But I don't think there's a direct correlation with minutes. That being said, he was good for the first couple games before he got hurt. He only played 10 or so minutes against the Bulls the other night. But I do think he could see some minutes if he continues to have an uptick in that offensive productivity because the Celtics really do need that in their their current state. Chris Grenham of Forbes Sports. He covers the Celtics on a daily basis and is kind enough to join us from time to time for the latest on Romeo. All right, he missed a couple games because I think it was a tight calf, a sore calf. Uh, Romeo has been one of the most injured players in professional basketball the last few seasons, uh, always concerned about his health. I think that may be the greatest concern about his future in playing at the NBA at this time. What was the latest with the injury? And he's back. He played a little bit on Sunday. I think he had four points against the Chicago Bulls. What is his health status at this point moving on through the week? Yeah, I think they're going to slowly you know, continue to increase his activity. He played 17 minutes against the Wizards over the weekend. And then he played about 11 or 10 minutes against the Bulls earlier this week. So I think they're going to be careful. His MRI came back clean. It was a strained left calf. But you're right. That's always the main concern with Romeo. They like what his skill set entails. He's versatile at the pro level. He's been able to be, you know, that defensive, versatile defender for, for the first little bit. And then he got hurt again. And now he's shown some offensive upside early this year. So I do think there's promise there. But I think durability is the ultimate you know, red flag with him. They said they're going to be careful moving forward. Ime Udoka noted that he doesn't think it's anything serious. It's not really a long-term thing, but as you have to be with Romeo at all times, they're going to be cautious, and I don't think you're going to see him playing 40 minutes anytime soon just 
as they kind of work him back. Chris, the last time we had you on, Romeo was in the middle of a really good preseason. Uh, but I want to hit this again as we move forward. We think that Romeo's slowly coming back here from this little calf situation, but he had the best offseason opportunity that he's had so far because he was healthy. He got some opportunity to play in the summer league out in Vegas, of course, in the training camp. And then we saw him really log good minutes uh, with the team during the preseason. This really, I think, is the best opportunity to judge what his future might look like with the Celtics or in the NBA as a whole based on the fact he actually had an offseason this year. Yeah, he hasn't had a normal schedule since he's come into the league. You know, he hit obviously the injury problems, and then there's just been a lack of off-seasons over the last couple years because of the tightened schedule following the bubble and whatever. There's just been a lot of quick turnarounds. So the fact that he was able to get an actual off-season and actually you know, work on his development, that's a huge plus for him, and he showed it. He was really good in the preseason. When he came out in the Celtics' first two games against the Knicks and the Raptors, he played 23 minutes in the opener. He had, I think, 10 or so points, and then he played – 17 minutes, 16 minutes against the Raptors in their second game. And those two games, you know, he's four of six from three. He's showing that offensive upside. And like we've talked about in the past, the Celtics do need shooting. They need floor spacers. So if he can provide that, that's a huge plus. It seems like Ime Udoka right now is a little unwilling to play some of the younger guys. And Romeo is on that bridge right now. Is he a young guy? Is he not? But he's been more willing to play Romeo than a guy like Aaron Neesmith. And I, I think that's a plus moving forward, but overall having an offseason and, and being able to actually work on his development, that's just a major plus for, for Romeo because he hasn't really had that opportunity to date. We're talking with Forbes Sports, Sports Boston Celtics writer Chris Grenham about Romeo Langford and the Celtics here to start our Wednesday program. All right, what's, what's going on with the Celtics as a whole right now? Uh, you had a story that I read yesterday about Marcus Smart. He was interviewed after one of the recent games and had some pretty – I thought honest comments, if you watch Romeo and the Celtics, and again, we've got a lot of Celtics fans here in southern Indiana now, um, he had some pretty honest comments, I thought, about other players on the team needing to share the ball, and I'm curious how that's going over in Boston and kind of what you've seen from this team so far. They've had their share of struggles early on. They have definitely, definitely struggled. One of my main concerns with this team going into the season was their lack of spacing and lack of shooting. And that's definitely been a problem, but it's been amplified by Jason Tatum's struggles because, yeah, he's still, you know, produced like Jason Tatum is expected to. He's, you know, he's averaging 25 points a game, but he hasn't been all that good. Jalen Brown's been a better player, albeit inconsistently. And this team has struggled, and Marcus Smart called him out on it after a really ugly fourth quarter collapse to the Chicago Bulls. You know, they had a 17 point lead with 30 seconds left in the third quarter, and they end up you know, really in a hole at the end of the fourth quarter. Normally you're in that situation, you end up losing a close game. It wasn't really close at the end of that game. So Marcus Smart called him out, which a lot of people reacted to in different ways around here. Marcus <laughs> Smart has not had a good offensive start to the season, but everything he said, in my opinion, was correct. The Celtics late game offense is predictable and their overall offense has been predictable. They don't have many good secondary actions and Marcus Smart called him out on it. Now, is Marcus Smart the best player to be delivering that message? Probably not, but I do think the message did have to be delivered. And, you know, he's one of the leaders in the locker room, so team is struggling. I'm sure he felt that the time was now just to come out and, and let everybody know how he was feeling. But 
I think he does have a point, and yes, he has struggled, but both those things can't exist. He can come out and criticize those teams while, or his teammates, excuse me, while you accept the necessary improvements that he needs to make. So it's an interesting situation. I'm curious to see how guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum responded. Those are the two guys that he called out directly. And, and suddenly tonight's game against the Orlando Magic is a, it's a pretty important one for, for the status of this team to see where they're going to move going forward. Yeah, talking Romeo and the Celtics with Chris Grinham. Chris, uh, speaking of the Magic, I had a chance and I texted with you some when I was in Florida to see Romeo and the Celtics play a preseason game down in Orlando. And it was, uh, for a, a guy that wants to see Romeo play a lot, it was a perfect situation because it's the preseason. A lot of the stars, the studs, were not playing as much or playing at all. Jalen Brown was still in the middle of his COVID period. And Marcus Smart that night, uh, speaking of Marcus, uh, we noticed when they came out for warm-ups, I thought, wonder where Marcus Smart is. Maybe he's not playing at all tonight. Hadn't seen anything announced. Then the game starts, and I thought, Marcus Smart, is he not here? Is he in the back, you know, being treated for injury or something? And then he came bebopping out, uh, I think, like around halftime. And then we found out the next day he had been suspended because he missed a flight to Orlando with the team. So I thought that was interesting. You can comment on that if you want. But also uh, in Orlando, and I guess I just, you know, the Celtics, they come to Indiana, don't go to a lot of Pacers games. I know Larry Bird is a connection uh, who's a Southern Indiana guy as well to the Celtics. But they're one of the franchises, and I realized this down in Orlando at a random preseason game. They have fans everywhere, and I guess I, I know that. It's a, tr- a storied franchise in the NBA, but those are two, I thought, things that struck me in addition to seeing Romeo play a lot that night about the Celtics, the Marcus Smart debacle, and then just a great fan base, even in Orlando for a preseason game. Their fans do travel really, really well. I've, I've noticed that over the years just in, in covering road games, and I know there were some comments about their game in D.C. over the weekend against the Wizards where – a lot of reporters who were down there, I didn't travel for that game, but a lot of reporters who were there said that Celtics fans probably outnumbered Wizards fans. There were let's go Celtics chants in the second half of that game. And it's it's kind of common when you go to smaller markets too when teams that don't often sell out their arena. So there's a lot of available tickets on secondary markets. And Celtics fans are kind of like Lakers fans in the fact that they're spread across the country. And I think a lot of that, you're right, has to do with the history of the franchise and that sort of thing. But it is fun. It, I mean, I'm sure the players do enjoy it. And uh, on your points about Marcus Smart, yeah, the the flight thing was certainly an interesting storyline early in the year. I thought it was interesting that, you know, the team didn't just come out and say, he missed a flight, we're going to suspend him. Instead, they kind of danced around it by saying it was a violation of team rules, which made it a little more ominous. And if I'm being honest, over the first couple weeks here of this season, Marcus Smart has just seemed a little bit off. Sometimes he can be a little blunt in press conferences and sometimes he can be shorter on other days, but he has just seemed a little bit off and I'm not quite sure what it has to do with. Maybe the contract negotiations got a little contentious this off season, which he kind of alluded to on media day. I think that might've carried over to the season. I'm not quite sure, but for, you know, Southern Indiana Celtics fans who are following Romeo, just another little storyline to follow. I think Marcus Smart is not, his normal self right now for whatever reason. Yeah, definitely. All right, uh, final thing for you. Uh, magic tonight for the Celtics. It's a, a game on the road, 7 o'clock tip-off. Uh, Romeo is back. He should see some minutes tonight, right? The injury, we think, uh, based on what he saw over the weekend, is cleared up, and I think he will get some sort of uh, – don't know exactly how many, but he should be in line for some minutes tonight. 
Yeah, I think he'll be in line for minutes. The whole team is healthy once again, like they were against the Bulls. I think, you know, that just about double-digit minute is probably what you should look for from Romeo, maybe just north of 10 minutes. He played 11 against the Bulls. But, yeah, I would expect to see him get some minutes unless they were to turn to Aaron Neesmith, which I know there's been a push to do so. But I don't really see that happening tonight. It's an important game for the Celtics. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. So suddenly this is not necessarily a must-win, but it's an important one, and I think Romeo should see some some back-end rotation minutes tonight. All right, Chris Grinham of Forbes Sports. You can follow him on Twitter, at Chris Grinham. And also you can read his work about the Celtics, his coverage of them on a daily basis at the Forbes Sports website. Chris, I think you've got a lot of followers from our area. Appreciate your willingness to come on with a local radio guy and talk uh, Romeo and the Celtics here in southern Indiana. We greatly appreciate your insight. Always enjoy your work. And, again, thank you so much. Thanks, Matt. Always enjoy talking Romeo Lankford with you. So I'll talk to you again soon. Yes, most definitely. Chris Grinham of Forbes Sports. He he covers the Celtics on a daily basis. He's a, a beat writer following the uh, franchise and uh, does a great job. And kind enough, we connected back. Oh, I guess maybe when Romeo was first drafted, he was doing a story uh, on Romeo's background and the Romeo Langford court that was constructed uh, by Floyd County Parks and Recreation at one of the new parks. And uh, we made contact through that. He was looking for some background and uh, has been kind enough ever since then to kind of be our voice in Boston and uh, share the latest on Romeo. A lot of injury talk with Chris about Romeo over the years. And thankfully, there have been some good news to talk about here the last couple months with Romeo in the offseason and the preseason. And now that the regular season is underway, let's hope that continues for Romeo as we move forward. A couple notes I wanted to get to. Ohio State just got a commitment earlier this morning in men's basketball from a Louisville player uh, over in Louisville from Christian Academy of Louisville. His name is George Washington the third. He's a junior this season, so he's a 2023 commit, the first for Ohio State, and actually the first uh, player uh, from Kentucky to commit to Ohio State, I read this morning, uh, since D'Angelo Russell, who started at Louisville Central then finished at a national high school, I think it was Montverde Academy, if I'm correct, uh, back in 2014. Washington, I've seen him play uh, this past summer. He's a really good, intriguing player. He's ranked number 50 in the country right now, and he's the number nine ranked combo guard. He can play the point guard position. He can also play the shooting guard position. Very, very talented guy. Indiana was not really involved with him. Louisville was, Auburn was, Tennessee was. There were some other schools also that were tracking him very closely and had offered scholarships, but I don't think there had been much, if any, contact between him uh, and Indiana. But a notable prospect in 2023 off the board heading to the Big Ten Conference at Ohio State. Uh, He'll be one of the best players in Louisville in the city this year, maybe in the state, should be in the state of Kentucky as well. Uh, But a very, very good player and a big pickup uh, early on to get 2023 recruiting started for the Buckeyes and Coach Holtman. And one other local note, uh, girls basketball, high school basketball, the season Ladies and gentlemen, it's underway. There are games taking place this week, some other games scheduled for the weekend. The first polls came out yesterday, the top ten in each class, which is put forth by the ICGSA, the Indiana Coaches of Girls Sports Association. We have no teams ranked 
in the uh, top uh, 20 it is in each class by the in 4A but in 3A Silver Creek the defending state champion they are number 2 just behind South Bend Washington who they defeated in the 3A state championship game a year ago also Salem they are tied for 6 Charlestown is tied for 14 so good representation from from our immediate area in the 3A class. In 2A, the most local team is Eastern Pekin. Paoli also ranked in 2A top 20. And then Lanesville, just a little to our west in Harrison County, uh, they are number two behind Tecumseh, who is number one, who actually eliminated the Eagles last year in the regional round of the tournament. But uh, Angie Hinton, of course, we know the legendary Joe Hinton, her assistant coach at Lanesville. The Lady Eagles are expected to have a really good year in 1A basketball, so it will be fun to follow them as well. We'll head to a commercial break. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. Send in your questions and comments about the Hoosiers, whether it be football or basketball, local sports. We've got Dustin Dopierak in the next segment on IU and Josh Cook later on to talk local sports and sectional football. Stay with us. This is our Wednesday program here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Wednesday program. Dustin Dopirak, sports writer with the Bloomington Herald Times, is my guest. And don't forget the Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. That's 502-414-1450. Dustin, we've got IU football to talk about. Big game coming up, tough game coming up against Michigan. And, of course, the IU basketball season is inching closer. And I think IU fans still trying to put it all together after Noah Clowney on Monday afternoon announced that he's going to attend Alabama. I think a lot of people were prepared for Mike Woodson to pick up another big commitment. Uh, The more I look at the 2022 class, yesterday we spoke about what I use 2022 class as a whole looks like at this point, and we think it's a finalized deal. Who knows in this world of college recruiting? But the more I look at it with Jalen hood Chafino, I think this is a job really well done despite losing clowning on Monday by Mike Woodson and his staff in their first full recruiting class. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's definitely a strong class. I mean, I think the, uh, the, the what, what things about Clowney is if you, if you get Clowney, it really kind of puts a bow on it uh, and, you know, just gives you something everywhere. I mean, the, the, what you, you obviously don't get a big out of this class. Um, and it's a bit of an issue, and obviously they'll still have, uh, you know, Logan Duncan that, uh, you know, you'll see what you get out of him this year. You'll get a better sense uh, after this season, you know, whether he's the guy that, that can be your starter at the five and, and, and what you can get out of him, what you can expect uh, out of that position, or if you're going to need uh, reinforcements there. I mean, I think you, you whether it's a definite or not, obviously you'll, you'll see, but uh, you have to go into the season presuming you lose Trace Jackson Davis at the end of the year. Uh, you know, again, he, he obviously might decide to stick around for some one reason or another, um, but obviously he was ready to go last year before Mike Woodson got the job, and you have to presume that he's going to go after this season. So, it, you know, you're, you, you 
would like to feel like, man, you've got a uh, guy with budding star potential, which you would have had in Clowney. Um, but if you're so, you have to imagine whether or not they're probably not going to get anybody in this class, like this a high school kid in this class. Uh, but you have to think, Bill, uh, if if they're not satisfied with Duncan as um, a potential star at the five, then they'll obviously look into the transfer portal and consider getting somebody else uh, there as well. But uh, no, I mean, I think the class is very good. I mean, Huchafino is a top 30 kid. Um, you know, just legit. You got, you got a chance to be a legit scorer, legit distributor, uh, guy that can get a lot done as a combo guard. Uh, I'm a, I, I really like Caleb Banks' game. I'm kind of waiting to see what I'm missing uh, from Caleb Banks, why he hasn't, why he isn't higher rated than he is uh, as a 6'8 kid who can shoot the three and can really handle the basketball well uh, and finish around the rim. Just, um, it, it just, He's a guy with sort of an ability to handle uh, a, a, a real two that can play the three and is big enough to play the four if you need him. Uh, you know, I, I feel like he has a chance to be really, really good. It seems like he's just getting used to the idea of being a star, and that's taking him a minute. Um, but you know, I, I think he was a huge land. I think C.J. Gunn obviously does a lot of four-year kid that really cares about defense, uh, can shoot the basketball as well, can score in a number of ways. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of good that they've added um, in in the 2022 class. Uh, you know, I think again, I think they still want more. I think they they're going to want to address the big situation, uh, but they do have to be, I think, pretty proud of their ability to uh, pick up a bunch of kids and also be able to recruit from different areas, maintain an in-state kid, uh, but also go down uh, to the south and also go to a, a national program in, in Monteverde Academy and get a player. Uh, really situated themselves, I think, uh, for big things in recruiting going forward yeah absolutely and Dustin I I think I've forgotten I'm so focused on the college basketball season beginning next week with games that IU fans have something to look forward to this weekend this first ever Hoosier Fan Fest which I think is a very intriguing event because it is really an NIL opportunity for IU players Uh, we don't know exactly what to expect because it's not like Hoosier hysteria where year after year you get just about the same thing there's some tradition to it no matter who the head coach is but one big announcement from the group putting on this event yesterday is that Bob Knight who was just at practice last week is going to be at that event on Saturday night. And again, I think Bob Knight is going to be maybe like a Gene Cady or other former coaches in the Big Ten that have kept good relationships with their schools and are still important to the fan bases. I think we're going to see him come around as much as he can. Uh, he's been at practice. He's going to be at a preseason event. Uh, why not be at a game Tuesday night uh, when the uh, Hoosiers open the season? So that's going to be interesting for fans, not just to see this team and maybe get a final glance at the health of this team, especially before the opener next week. But Coach Knight going to be there as well, which I think is always cool to see. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think um, obviously the, we talked a lot when Woodson was hired about uh, what this does to reconnect uh, Indiana, you know, just IU basketball with its past and just, just how it, um, as much as previous coaches have tried, and they have, and, and I think that's something that, that, that really bears uh, mentioning and repeating, um, that, you know, Archie Miller and certainly Tom Crean um, really tried as best they could to connect uh, with Indiana's past and, and that, that overtures were obviously made to Bobby Knight himself throughout the years. Uh, but certainly to, to former players as well, to get them to come back to campus and all those sorts of things. But it, it, it you know, the final step wasn't made, I don't think, until Knight came back, uh, certainly for the 1980 
celebration and, and, and got to be celebrated on the floor. Uh, but more to the point, to have one of his own, to have a guy that he mentored uh, be at the head of the program. Obviously, with Mike Woodson being there, he's a guy that is going to involve uh, Bob Knight any way that he can because he still views uh, Knight as the guy that gave him the opportunity to change his life. Um, so that, that, that will certainly, I think, you'll, you'll see Bob Knight around a lot more. And obviously, that's just, I think, just better for the health of the program in general to not feel like there's this um, icy relationship with the, its most famous living coach. Uh, now, I, do I think it'll be like Gene Cady? I'm not sure. Obviously, I don't think um, and that's sort of, I think, a sad piece to it because I think if things had gone well, if, if it hadn't ended the way that it ended, you would have seen Knight around uh, for a lot of this. And obviously, I don't know that... Um, Knight is in the same health that uh, the Gene Cady has been in, um, you know, throughout his sort of emeritus tenure while Matt Painter has been the coach. Um, but you will see more of him certainly than you have seen before, uh, and that I think is is you know can only be a good thing for Indiana just to, just to have him around. But yeah, the event in general, I think, uh, has a chance to be really good. I think all these opportunities that that, that kids get, um, you know, now to you know uh, monetize themselves and and to connect with the. Uh, you know, with the fan base, uh, you know, outside of uh, IU sort of sponsored and mandated things, uh, is good for them. You know, and I and I think there's you know you're going to see a lot. I think good things. I, I think people um, expected there are a lot of doomsayers about what uh, NIL would bring, and and I think that um, there was I think a negative view on this generation uh, of kids that, that I don't think they see how much. Those kids want to connect and want to give back, um, and you know, basically NIL gives them an opportunity to do that um, because they can connect things that obviously they can make money on. But I think obviously the, I think the Bloomington Boys and Girls Club uh, is a charity that's involved here, and and you're going to see that piece too. They're going you're going to see um, players using their name, image, and likeness to uh, to help charities uh, and and to get involved in the community in ways that they haven't been able to do on from a solo unconnected standpoint up until now um and i, I think that's 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 a good step as well I, I i think you know that you're you're going to see i think more of um the good parts of this generation i think it's a giving generation there's a lot of other things that can be said about it i think but i think these kids look at look for ways to give back probably certainly more than i think mine did um so i and i think you're that this is going to be this is like nil i think is going to showcase some of that for yeah, no question. Dustin Dopirak, he covers IU for the Bloomington Herald Times. He's with us here on this Wednesday show. Uh, I've had a lot of questions, Dustin, about this event on Saturday at Assembly Hall. Tickets for the main seating area are just $5 a person, and you can upgrade, I think, 49 50 bucks, get you a seat in the lower level, the wooden courtside bleachers, and then there's a, a row or two of chairs that are actually courtside that are $99 for a ticket there. So fairly affordable just to get in the door. There's no question about that. And the event is advertising. It's kind of odd because it's really not IU putting on the event, which we'll get back to in just a moment. But yeah. the event a advertises a five-on-five -five open gym in addition to some sort of shooting showcase, three-point contest, and slam dunk competition. wonder what this five-on-five -five open gym will be. Will this be some sort of scrimmage, does it sound like? Uh, it sounds like it will be. I mean, I think uh, I'm going to be interested to see if they pull that off. Um, obviously, because 
you know, that you're, you're within, what, three, four days uh, from the opener. I guess uh, I imagine the kids want to scrimmage in front of everybody. Uh, are they going to – is that going to be something that's okayed by Mike Woodson? Obviously, again, it's not his event, uh, but he is still the head basketball coach, and uh, those guys aren't going to do what their coach tells them that they can't do. So I'll be very intrigued if they do have a scrimmage, what that looks like, um, what sort of uh, uh, precautions – I suppose will be taken. Um, you know, we we don't know. I mean, like we've we've heard about you know some injuries. Some I know some guys weren't available for Hoosier hysteria. Um, so we kind of don't know who's banged up and who isn't, and uh, who they're going to be cool with putting out there to play a game. Uh, what an you know what open gym means if that's a situation where they'll like let kids that would otherwise be scrimmaging at the hyper uh, come in and try to take on the healthy members of the squad. I don't know. Uh, but I'll be very interested to see. I won't be there. Obviously, I'll be at Michigan. Um, so I'm going to be very, very intrigued to hear the reports that come out of that about whether, how they pull that off, whether they pull that off, what that looks like. Uh, I imagine they'll certainly want to try. I imagine certainly if, if you're putting on this event, um, it would really go a long way for you to be able to get a uh, functional scrimmage out there. So we'll see if they can pull it off. Um, but, uh, again, there's a lot of other uh, uh, considerations that they have to make there. Yeah, no question. Dustin, I, I want to bring up one more thing about this event. You know, I've been following closely NIL opportunities at other schools, and there have been some very, very creative things, some very, very different things. You look at programs like Alabama football, uh, even Kentucky basketball that have these massive fan bases on a national level almost, and there have been some different opportunities. But I don't know that I've seen – an event like this that's going to be on the campus at the team's home arena uh, that's sponsored by an outside agency that allows players the opportunity to get some kickback and get uh, some money off of the event. This is, uh, I think, one of its kind from what I can tell that's out there. So far from what I can tell, I I haven't seen much, and I feel like just everything – I guess you're kind of seeing all these stuff, all this stuff come in so fast. It's like, wait, wait, what's what's there now? What's this now? Um, so yeah, no, it's 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 going to be intriguing again to see what they can pull off, um, and to see if it's a thing that they're going to want to, you know, that that Indiana is going to want to keep. I don't want to say allowing because it's not there. They they have to take sort of a hands off rule with this. I mean, I think they probably have to rent the arena out. I don't think they can even. Um, you know, it is not a situation where they can just give the arena up for nothing because if they do, that would be them sort of sponsoring it. Um, so, like, they sort of have to collect fees on this. But uh, it, it's, yeah, it, it has a chance to be very intriguing. I mean, I don't know if anyone else has done anything like it. I don't think so. I think it's, you know, for one thing, it's kind of gutsy just, just to try to pull it off three or four days before the opener. Um, so it, it probably is one of its kind. We'll see what that looks like going forward. I mean, I could see why other schools aren't doing it, um, but uh, it definitely allows, I think, the uh, the fan base a chance to connect, uh, especially, I mean, I know there wasn't a five-on-five at Hoosier Hysteria. I mean, I think they, obviously, because of COVID, they were um, a little bit more cautious in terms of meeting fans or players meeting fans. Like, that used to be a huge piece of Hoosier Hysteria um, and was less of that this year, so that kind of brings... Um, that opportunity back to, for that to happen at least one time uh, before the season starts. So uh, that that I think uh, it, it checks a lot of interesting boxes. I think that will make um, that I think you know fans can certainly enjoy. All right, Dustin. Final question for you. We got to talk football for just a moment. This IU football team. The schedule gets 
no easier for them. It's been a tough go of it, but also really some tough performances, whether it was Penix uh, underperforming early in the season before his injury or really the offense for most of the year. Then finally, when the offense performs at a reasonable level with Donovan McCauley, the QB, it's the defense that lets, I thought, things down on Saturday at Maryland. Uh, can Indiana even come close to this very good Michigan team that just lost their first game of the year kind of in a controversial or exciting fashion uh, last week? Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be tough. Uh, it's going to be really tough, especially to go up there. I mean, God, what, what, we're talking about 67 the last time they went out to the big house and won, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's it, it's going to be really difficult for them to pull it off. I mean, obviously, Michigan's shown an ability to really run the football well. Uh, you know, They're solid defensively, and Don McCulley's going to be on his second start. Now, obviously, you, you got to feel good about uh, what you saw from McCulley. He certainly grew up a lot against Maryland, but Maryland's defense is not Michigan's defense. Um, and, you know, uh, certainly it's not what, what they've seen before so uh it, it definitely you definitely have to see some things you haven't seen before i mean i think um you know mccauley's as well as he played still really relying on two targets and fry fogel and ender shot they need more uh from that they're, they're going to need Stephen carr to have i think a really another big outing like he did against maryland you're going to have to see a home run play there at least and uh you know defense again has been really good all year but this again you you saw them really fall apart especially in past defense um on saturday now i think they've got a better chance because michigan is a really good running team and indiana has defended the run really well um but um you know michigan runs the ball well indiana defends the run well so i think that kind of is a strength to strength situation um but uh yeah i mean it's going to be a real tough one on saturday all right dustin dopirak the bloomington herald times he covers the hoosiers dustin as always thanks for the chat here on this wednesday show Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, no problem. And always great to catch up with Dustin. So much going on right now between uh, the basketball and football programs. Lots of excitement. Just a fun time uh, this time of year to be a sports fan. There is no question about that. Want to go to the Thornton's text line for just a moment. Uh, texter writes, Matt, really enjoyed the podcast today, talking about yesterday's show, regarding your description on the development of Trace Jackson Davis under Coach Woodson and how it could really have a positive impact on IU recruitment. I wholeheartedly agree. An Indiana team that plays fast with an NBA style that wins and shows how future recruits can develop at Indiana would be huge. Thank you for the message. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And a reminder uh, to send in your questions and comments and thoughts. Uh, we'll get them on the air if they make any sense at all. We're, uh, we're happy to share what you've got to say about the Hoosiers or local sports, 502 414 1450. That is the Thornton's text line. And you can download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every single day. All right, we'll head to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll talk local sports with Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. Josh will join us to talk about New Albany football. That'll be our lead story as the Bulldogs tried to win their first sectional championship in about 20 years, and they'll have an opportunity to do so when they host Seymour on Friday night. They are the only local football team still alive from Clark and Floyd counties. We'll discuss that, some other local sports headlines, and more with Josh next. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for 
all the small schools never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. Final segment of our Wednesday program. That means Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, is my guest. This segment brought to you by Major League Shirt Company. Uh, Major League Shirt Company is uh, your home for custom apparel to meet all of your needs, including T-shirts, uniforms, corporate wear, and promotional items. Let Major League Shirt Company outfit your team or organization today. Visit mlshirtco.com to find out more. Josh, uh, lots of things going as we transition from fall sports to winter sports coming up very soon, and New Albany football going after a sectional championship on Friday night. They will host Seymour uh, to see if they can claim their first 5A sectional title in 20 years. Yeah, it's it's been a while, that's for sure. Uh, I don't think any of the players were born the last time New Albany won the sectional, so uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be a uh, it could be a big night for the Bulldogs, and uh, I expect it to be. You know, they, they beat Seymour by uh, 21 earlier, just a few weeks ago. So um, I know Seymour's good, but I think New Orleans is better. And, um, you know, they seem to be getting healthy at the right time. I think that bye week at the beginning of the sectional helped them. And um, they had some kids banged up, at, you know, as you do this time of year. But I think they'll be uh, – they got healthy during that week, and um, – you know, last week they played well against Floyd in the first half, and then obviously the rain hit in the second half. But, you know, I, I fully expect New Albany to win. Um, that doesn't mean it'll happen, but, you know, I, that's what that's what I, ex- I expect them to win. Uh, I tell you, Josh, one of the interesting things about this New Albany team, this isn't the first time this has come up with us, their offense is so very potent. Uh, they can really score some points. If you look at their uh, point performances this season, win or lose, they've been able to put points on the board. That's never been the problem. Uh, New Albany's problem has been on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, they they've they've had trouble stopping teams uh, in the past uh, over the past few years. But uh, you know, last week only allowing Floyd Central seven points, and that was in the first quarter. So they shut them out the final three quarters. You know that that's definitely a positive sign for the Bulldogs. And uh, you know maybe they can that defense can carry that momentum uh, into the championship game. And and two, you know, obviously they they. Uh, you know, I think they're getting their defense is getting healthy too at the right time. So we'll see what that means for Friday night. All right, Josh. Uh, high school basketball from a girls' perspective underway. A few games already. There are more scheduled for later this week, and then things really pick up in week number two next week. I really don't know what to think about girls' basketball this season. Yes, Silver Creek is the defending 3A champion. They're number two in 3A to begin the season. They've got some weapons back, but I don't know that it's going to be the same Silver Creek team we saw a year ago. Tell us about Silver Creek. Tell us about who else you think in the area could be good and could be set up for a, a you know a campaign where maybe there could be some postseason success. Yeah, I don't know if we'll, uh, we'll end up with a state champion this year, but uh... – you know, we might have a couple sectional champions, I think, and, you know, who knows, maybe a regional champ too, we'll see. But uh, it, it should be, you know, I, I think there'll be a lot of good teams. I don't know if there'll be um, any any great teams like Silver Creek was last year, but, uh, you know, I, I think it'll still be a good, entertaining season. Um, you know, you got you got to start with Silver Creek. You know, they've got two starters back. Kennedy Stryverson obviously is a, 
is a really good point guard, and you know she's committed to Evansville. Um, so I think Silver Creek will be very good. I think they'll, you know, be right there in the in the hunt for the conference and sectional title. But uh, it won't it won't be easy. That's for sure. I still I still think uh, you know Salem will be somebody to reckon with in both of those. And then you know uh, Charlestown I think should be much improved this year. Uh, they've got a they've got, still got a young team, but they should be really good this year. Um, so, you know, I, I think it, they could make things interesting in the conference and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in that, in, uh, in that sectional in the conference. But then, you know, some of the other teams, I don't know, I expect all the 4A teams to be improved, Jeff, New Albany, and uh, Floyd Central. I, I don't know if they'll be able to end, uh, you know, Bedford's big sectional winning streak but i still think they should all they should all be better than they were last year um and then two eight you know i think providence and, and clarksville both should be improved uh, uh providence was young last year so they'll they got a lot of experience clarksville uh lost a lot of girls to uh graduation but you know i think they can still be they had a really good year last year for for by clarksville standards and uh so i you know i think they could they should still do well this year and then Class A, you know, it, it, it'll be a lot of interesting teams, and uh, uh, it should be should be good should be a good season. I mean, you know, I'm excited for it to start. And you, you said, yeah, it started last night. New Washington lost at uh, at Cordon Central. That was the first game with our area teams, but uh, you know, some more teams play Thursday and then Friday and Saturday. So I'm excited. Hey, Josh, uh, while we're on basketball, I uh, got to bring up the boys' season. Official practices begin on Monday, so they'll transition from two days a week, two hours each day allowed right now, which has been standard for the fall to full-out practices uh, five, six days a week for many teams. Uh, we've talked about Jeff and Floyd Central. Uh, they are the two that come to mind first and foremost when I think about the upcoming season. Jeff has uh, three really, really good players and then some young talent that's going to be interesting to see how they mix in. Do they make it to the varsity level? Do they see playing time or not? Uh, others that uh, in Jeff program right now, a lot of talent there. Uh, and then Floyd Central, Caleb Washington is back and better. Uh, a Wesley Selahusky, kind of a name that's not known or talked about as much. He had a really good offseason, and he's darn near seven feet tall, I'm told, after some growth here recently. Floyd Central is going to be really big as well. What do you see just generally? A couple of uh, comments on the upcoming boys' season. Yeah, Floyd Central will have uh, no doubt the tallest team in the area. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean that sectional, you know, is, is always going to be tough. It's always going to be interesting. Uh, you know, uh, Jeff will be the favorite, but you know, it won't be it won't be a runaway. Uh, I don't think you know Floyd Central will be uh, you know will be improved. Will be good. You know, like like we said, they're they're extremely tall. That's for sure, and. Uh, you know, New Albany will have Tucker, and you know, heck, he, he could score twenty-five, thirty points, and you know, but keep New Albany in in pretty much any game this season. So we'll see what happens with that. But then, you know, some of the other ones, yeah, I mean, Silver Creek, Brandon Northern, and uh, you know, Providence should be uh, should be a factor in two A, and then the Class A sectional should be should be really good. You know, all those, all those Class A teams, I believe, will be. Will be improved. Uh, Board and Christian Academy and uh, Rock Creek. So that it, it, New Washington as well. It's it's an exciting time. You know, I'm 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 pumped up. I'm ready to go. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's 
it's uh it's been a busy few weeks and it's gonna be even busier here uh you know come like Thanksgiving time when all these games really get going. Yeah, absolutely. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, you can read his coverage, including lots about this weekend's New Albany Seymour sectional championship game in football and a lot of girls basketball previews as well at newsandtribune.com slash sports. That's newsandtribune.com slash sports. And Josh, as always, thanks for the run today. Matt, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it, and uh, have a good day. Major League Shirt Company, uh, you can uh, they can help you if you're looking to raise money for your team or event. Find out more about their online fan stores and let them work for you. You can get information at mlshirtco.com. That's mlshirtco.com. That's going to wrap things up for this Wednesday show. Don't forget the podcast if you missed any part of today. We'll be back with you Thursday here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.